Welcome to this edition of Silicon Valley, where we delve deeper into the latest trends and themes of the technology sector. I'm Cherry Reynard. Uh, I'm joined today by Walter Price, manager of the Alliance Technology Trust, and Lucy McDonald, portfolio manager for the Brunner Investment Trust, also managed by Alliance Global Investors. Today, we're going to discuss technology not just as it affects specific tech companies, but also as how it, how it affects all global companies. Welcome, Lucy. Welcome, Walter. I wonder if we can just kick off quickly, just talking a little bit about your respective trusts and their objectives, because technology affects both, but but they have in quite different ways. So, Lucy, if you could start, that'd be great. Well, it's a dual objective of uh, capital and income growth, uh, and uh, it is looking to outperform um, its benchmark over time by uh, investing in global companies. Uh, who have the ability to grow dividends over time. Okay. Uh, and Walter, we know a bit about your uh, trust from previous um, things, but but just give us a quick recap of what you're striving to do with your trust. Yeah, the Allianz Technology Trust, uh, our goal is to uh, obviously outperform our index over time, but I think uh, uh, allow investors to have a vehicle where they can find the new trends in technology and benefit from them uh, and allow us to identify them and monitor the companies and uh, prune the portfolio for them. Now, we've, we've seen the expansion of technology in recent years. So it's it's sort of tentacles have reached into more and more sectors. Um, Lucy, you're, you're not sort of directly investing in technology companies, at least not exclusively. But can you talk about how you've seen technology sort of uh, penetrate other industries? Yes, it's shifted uh, really through all of the the sectors that that we look at. And it's just a a question of how uh, long it's been going, how digital that particular industry is, but we're seeing it everywhere. And in the the most uh, advanced sectors, technology itself, you know, clearly, but then, you know, below that you have some of the media, some industrials, some consumer companies. Then at the the very bottom of the industry is that at early stage, you have the more um, public um, services driven uh, who tend to move more slowly, but really it's just everywhere that you look. And so, you know, from our perspective, it's it's um, all pervasive and it's something that we need to be able to analyse when we're looking at, at uh, any industry in any company. Mm. Uh, Walter, you've seen more and more sort of covers, more and more sectors come into your remit. I mean, I, I'm thinking the car industry, but there's probably a, a few there. Yeah, no, technology keeps growing as a percent of the S&P. And, you know, it's not only because the tech companies are growing fast, but also uh, subsectors are being redefined as technology driven. And so, you know, you mentioned the car industry with Tesla being a technology company. Before that, there was Amazon being a retail company and redefining that industry. And and I think you're going to see more examples, as, as Lucy said, of companies being disrupted by digitalization. And, and it used to be quite a sort of US-specific thing, but, but I get the sense that it has now spread into China and emerging markets and across the globe. I mean, is that true? 
Yes, I mean, the nature of technology and the internet is is global. And so the only way that you can stop it is by regulation, as we've seen in, in, in China, where there is some sort of barrier there. But really uh, what it does is, is create... Um, uh, it reduces the barriers to entries in many different industries and also in countries themselves. Mm. And you, I mean, Walter, you've—I know you pay visits to China and and that sort of thing. I mean, how is is te- te- technological development evolving there? Well, I think the most interesting aspect of technology development in China is this movement to the cloud. Uh, Everybody else is already on that journey, but the SOEs in China, the government agencies, are uh, just now moving to the cloud. And, you know, some of the reasons they're doing it are for better monitoring of citizens. That's what, why the government moves to the cloud and, and puts digital data and about people's movement into the cloud. And it allows them to get more control over their economy and their people. Um but also, I think from the standpoint of the SOEs, it makes them more efficient. They move into the cloud. They can uh, adopt some of the AI technologies about how to run their plants more effectively. And so, um, you know, they're they're embracing that movement as well. Uh, you mentioned SOE there, Walter. What is that? Oh, an SOE is a state-owned enterprise. It's uh, the, all the large companies in China are SOEs, and they've they've had. Uh, very uh, antiquated technology, in my view. Uh, they're not very efficient. And so I think moving to the cloud with a lot more efficient technology allows them to get a lot more efficient themselves and become much better at producing products and much more competitive on a global scale. I mean, Lucy, presumably you have to look at it from the other side as well. So you have to look at um, your holdings that may be disrupted by technology or, or you know, where... where they're subject to a real negative force from the technology businesses. I mean, have you got any kind of examples of those kind of things where they've been disrupted by an app or that kind of thing? Well, when we're looking at at the retail sector, for instance, um, you know, that's a sector where you've seen um, complete disruption um, coming through from from technology and from from Amazon, but also from sort of newer companies that have come up um, uh, because of the internet itself. So that's an industry that, in fact, we, ha- we have very little exposure to, uh, ex-Amazon, um, because the whole industry has been, the you know, profitability has been undermined. Uh, whenever we're looking at, at an industry or a company um, as an investment, it is those the barriers to entry of that industry um, and the structure of the industry is a key part of you know what we're looking at because that determines the returns and the profitability of the industry. So if you are seeing um, new entrants, you are seeing uh, the disruption that comes from um, from uh, new competitors, which are undermining the structure of the industry and the profitability, then that is is clearly something which we are going to be analysing and putting into our expectations. Mm. And I mean, how catastrophic can that be? Are, are, there, are there companies that have really been wiped out or do they really take quite a long time to die on the whole? Uh, well, in some cases, they uh, can adapt um, and they can adapt either by taking on uh, similar technology um, or buying it in. Um, They can buy digital assets. They can buy uh, individuals who can then develop their business and take it online. And we've seen that with some of the companies like um, Estee Lauder, which is a stock that we've owned for a while. 
who traditionally would sell just just through um, department stores, um, who have developed their own online um, ability to d- distribute online, and and they bought in some of their expertise. They've developed their own sort of um, platforms to enable them to do that. And and those you know consumer companies which have have met managed to make that shift so they've got sort of a hybrid distribution platform selling through many different channels you know those are the ones which are are thriving and and surviving those who have not done it and have just you know stayed where they are are the ones which will be be losing out so it's not enough just to have the products it's it's the ability to be able to understand the different channels as they're developing and to be able to supply into them Mm. But uh, Walter, do you have a sense of whether it's easier for a company to start from scratch, or whether, or whether it's easier to kind of adapt an existing business? I mean, it, maybe you'd be looking at something like Microsoft, which did adapt quite well, or uh, fintech, where lots of the innovation has sort of just morphed into the banking sector. Yeah, I think it's 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 incredibly hard to adapt to the new technology. Um, I mean, even in technology, uh, some of the uh, companies that sold into the traditional enterprise market have tried to move to the cloud and uh, with varying degrees of success. But invariably what happens is that their existing business starts declining faster than they expected and the cloud business proves to be more difficult than they expected. And so it's just incredibly difficult for a company to move from from a major factor in, in one part of technology to a leader in the new technology. Mm. I mean, you've, you've both held Microsoft, I believe. It's, what did it do right? What, what, why did it, how did it manage to adapt? Was it good management? Was it good? Well, it, it started, my, my perspective, obviously, defer to, to uh, Walter on this, but um, from my perspective, it had come to a bit of a shuddering halt. Um, and, and so growth rate had slowed down, the innovation had slowed down, and they'd actually made some quite big missteps, um, you know, trying to, to you know, buy into hardware in, in different areas. Um, and, and so it really had come to a bit of a halt. And then they um, there was a, a new management with uh, Satya Nadella who came in, um, and really, um, they then decided they were needed to move to the cloud and and provide cloud services, and that that was going to be the focus. Um, and that's really what's you know driven the company from from here. So it was a management change, but but management change plus you know focus on strategy, and they are now growing faster than than Amazon in cloud provision um, from a, you know, a lower start. But uh, that's really been a combination of those two things. And you'd agree with that, Walter? Yeah, I think they got back to the roots of enterprise computing and enterprises were moving to the cloud and they said, we're going to lead them um, and we're going to help them. And uh, their business model actually works really well with the cloud because it's mostly a subscription business model based on number of users that you have. And so it's pretty straightforward for them to say, well, if you're moving to the cloud, we'll just add some additional additional subscriptions uh, and additional revenue because we're maintaining that infrastructure. And so you should be paying us more uh, for each users. And uh, all at once their growth rate increased as people bought into that, uh, that argument. And I think, uh, I think, you know, you're going to see them uh, continue to use that strategy of incrementalism that allows them to have high growth. I think looking at tech development, it it can look quite easy from the other side. A company has a great idea, 
they execute well, it completely sort of takes over a market. Um, and yet there are plenty of failures along the way and there's lots of businesses that haven't been disrupted in the way that people expect. Walter, I was wondering if you could give a couple of examples of industries that haven't developed in the way that people initially thought and why you have to be quite nuanced about how an industry's going to be disrupted. Well, I think one example that comes to mind where we initially invested in, and then gave up was the solar industry where, you know, the, the cost of solar was coming down. People installed lots of systems. The industry grew by a factor of 10 in terms of uh, installation rate, but nobody made any money because the Chinese ruined the industry and they, they just focused on production and they continued to drive the cost down. So it became a commoditized industry in the worst sense. And, um, you know, I think there are other examples in uh, fintech. You know, there are lots of fintech companies that have tried to disrupt that market, and it's incredibly hard to change habits. And so, um, you know, the the latest payment technology doesn't seem to get uh, traction in, in many, many cases. Mm, Lucy, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think the, the media industry um, has been an interesting one to, to watch because different parts of it have been disrupted at different times. So it started off with you know, regional press as all of the advertising that they had you know, went online and that was completely decimated. It doesn't exist anymore uh, really as, a, as an industry. Um, and then shifting into um, it's the scientific and, and um, professional publishing. And that has, has, has held together from an industry structure point of view far longer than people had thought. They thought it was going to go the same way. But in fact, because the barriers to entry within that, that business, particularly in scientific publishing, was more to do with the you know, peer review of papers. So there was a huge amount of kudos in getting your scientific papers into the right publications. And so that lasted even when the industry went online for a lot longer than people had thought. And although there are now um, some more um, potential competitors coming up um, from the internet, they've certainly had at least 10 years more of returns than, than anybody thought at the time. And I mean, from a portfolio management point of view, how how does it does it involve watching how a trend evolves very closely or what is the analysis that's going into that well i guess from our point of view we monitor companies uh progress against their goals so you know every quarter we get a report card of the management and you know if their if their results start to diverge from our vision then uh then we very often will take the stock out of the portfolio uh and i think as you point out, sometimes these innovations turn out not to be happening and, and uh, the companies aren't executing and so we get the, port the stock out of the portfolio. Yeah. What about from your side, Lee? I think the same thing really applies. And, and really looking at the trajectory of growth, you know, if the growth is, you know, decelerating when it's meant to be accelerating and there's no good explanation for it in the medium term, that's a good sign. And then, then margins are very, very interesting to watch because in a lot of cases the companies which are using the technology or creating technology can be taking that up front against their 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 margin and that can depress their their profitability in the short term now that can either be because you know they are a startup and they haven't you know got to a too mature profitability yet or it can be that they're doing one of these transitions we've been talking about where the the management themselves are having to invest to take their business you know digital and then that can be quite a lot of up 
in a front cost as they're investing in in a new digital platform, you know, whatever. So that needs a lot of analysis to really unpick exactly what's going on and saying, well, if they're actually creating a digital asset and taking it against their profits, then you ought to be probably taking that out and seeing what the, where how the underlying profitability of the company is doing. So there's a lot of analysis that needs to be done, particularly at those in those transition cases, to really understand what's happening in the business. Okay, and it it strikes me that actually one of the the biggest problems with technology is not necessarily finding growth; it's knowing how much to pay for that growth. Um, technology opportunities are, are sort of rarely undiscovered. Um, Lucy, how do you manage that from your side? I mean, because you've you've got an income remit as well, a growth and income remit as well, yes. haven't you? Yes, um, with, within Brunner, um, there is uh, that you know requirement to keep the dividend growing, and therefore that means that that companies which um, you know either have a have a dividend um, uh, or are thinking of of you know paying one, like Microsoft sort of came onto the dividend list relatively recently, um, but also exhibit. Some um, you know valuation upside is is you know is useful, and so within Brunner, having uh, tech companies there which have no dividend are very highly valued, um, is more difficult to justify than it would necessarily be in in you know, some of our other more broad uh, broad funds with no income requirement. The other thing I would say also in technology is is um, where we have quite a focus on governance uh, overall, and, and that is you know something that we're looking at. There are some areas of technology, some of the larger, you know, um, the fan companies, for instance, where where the governance is is not ideal. <laughs> so we can say, as far as looking after minority shareholders, and if that is you know you're comfortable with that, then then that's fine. But I think it's something that we would rather have you know um, a positive attitude towards governance in the company. Okay, and is it is it possible to find companies that are benefiting from technology innovation but where it's not kind of reflected in the share price they i mean they may be doing something completely different but they've got a a system that allows them to be run far more efficiently for example yeah and, and i think it comes down to those, those sort of two areas that i've that i referred to you know before you know one is where um a company is going through a transition and it is depressing its own margins to create digital assets and not yet obvious that can be a, a very interesting situation because then the you know the um uh, valuation can be depressed because of that and uh so you've got an interesting opportunity there the other is as i referred to within the, you know the publishing industry and the scientific publishing where you've got a big a big sort of derating of the the stocks because of the concerns about the fading of the returns in the industry, but actually they went on a lot longer. So that again can be quite an interesting um, situation, which is caused by technology, but it gives, actually gives investment opportunity. Mm. And what about Walter? What about you? I mean, you do have some of these very high growth companies that, um, on conventional metrics, look quite highly valued. But how, how are you balancing that in your portfolio? Well, we do have part of the portfolio, 25 or 30% of the portfolio that's that's value, uh, but those tend to be slower growth companies, but uh, they may be improving their profitability significantly. Um, you know, Apple would be an example of that where they're moving to services and it's not got a very high growth rate, but uh, earnings are starting to grow again because of uh, the importance of services and the higher margins of services. I think... Uh, 
you know, for the high value companies, you know, we're believers in valuing them on cash flow uh, and free cash flow. And so many of the the younger companies don't yet have free cash flow, but we think it's important that management be focused on getting to free cash flow and getting to profitability within a reasonable time frame. I mean, do you ever find sort of smaller or mid-cap companies that fly under the radar or are there just, there are so many people looking at these opportunities now that even they tend to be sort of well analyzed, if you like? No, I, I think it's hard to fly under the radar in the technology sector. You have a lot of analysts looking for companies and uh, companies claiming to be similar to the leaders in the industry. And so I think the important thing is to try to sift through the companies and understand which are going to be truly important and which are just niche companies that are going to stay small. Mm. Okay. Um, looking to the future a little, um, we've, we've seen the car industry disrupted, media a little bit, financial services a little bit, again, at the margins. Where do you think the big disruption is going to come from in the next, let's say, five years? I'll push that out to 10 if that is. Well, I tend to think is the digitalization process. So, you know, there's, there's, it can have disrupted, but it's just the same thing. It's all these companies are just going online. And uh, it's just a question of, of, of time. And, and impact and uh, how it affects the, the relative industries. I think one of the more interesting uh, industries at the moment is, is industrials. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of consumer tech, which has, has, has appeared over the, the last you know, 10, 20 years. I think we are now seeing that going into the whole industrial sector and seeing how that is impacting uh, these uh these companies' ability to connect up with their customers, you know, through through sensors on on everything, to be able to feedback from their customers' data, to um, have long term relationships and connections with their customers in a way that they wouldn't have done in the past, and also to enable them to have new revenue streams, you know, based on that and recurring revenue. So those are all, you know, we are going through that transition at the moment. I think. Okay, how about what about your perspective, Walter? Well, I guess I look for really big changes. Uh, you know, we you talked about transportation or you, you talked about the auto industry, but I think the transportation industry is actually being being s significantly disrupted. And uh, it's not quite clear uh, to us and I think to most investors where that comes out, you know, to disruptive companies like Uber and Lyft and Tesla are, are extremely controversial and it's not clear whether they'll be good stocks or not good stocks. It kind of depends how fast they figure out how to make money and erect barriers around their business. Uh, you know, I think investors have shown that they, they want these companies to be profitable and they want them to grow profits uh, in order to uh, keep the valuations going up. So I think that that's pretty clear. But whether they can do that on a sustainable basis isn't clear yet. If we could just talk about an unexpected tech trend, you see, because it's all about whizzy gadgets and that kind of thing. But but um, is there anything kind of interesting that you're picking up? Well, on, on the margin, I I'm, think it's quite interesting what's happening with audiobooks uh, and podcasts to some, some extent. Uh, and audiobooks have been really the preserve of, of the preschoolers and the visually impaired for a long time, um, but are now picking up with uh, with millennials. And that's that's because they are, are listening um, on their phones, 
And it's uh, a little bit of a, a different experience to the very involved interactive social media and a little bit more relaxing. And so also quite good for insomniacs. <laughs> Great. What about you, Walter? Well, you know, one of the interesting anecdotes that I heard recently uh, is I was talking to this person that owns a Tesla and he said, well, it used to be when we drove to a shopping center, uh, we'd all go in with my wife and we'd go shopping together. Now my two kids want to stay in the car and play video games on the Tesla screen. And he said, it's really changing the way people are looking at the car as a, you know, as a place, not a place to be trapped anymore, but as a place to look forward to going. Okay, great. All right. Thank you so much, Walter and Lucy, for those insights. And thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, do join us again next time. Many thanks.